Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? What is up, sports fans? My name is Jake Inazuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So I want to apologize real quick for starting the show a little bit late. Unfortunately, there was some technical difficulties here at the radio station in Plymouth State University, but luckily I was able to get on just in time for one of my guests to be able to come on in around 10 minutes. And so I have a very, very exciting show planned for you guys today. First of all, I have a very special guest in Jake Staroli, who is the co-host of Talking Baseball. He's going to come on and talk some Yankees with us. He's also going to talk about a little bit about the MLB playoffs, give his predictions. And so I'm really excited to be able to talk to him about that. And I'm also mainly excited, like I said, he's going to be talking about the Yankees. And he actually hosts a, a podcast called Talking Yankees. So he's definitely going to be very, very amped up to talk about the Yankees' loss to the Tampa Bay Rays just about a week ago. But there was a lot of very exciting things that happened so far in the sports world this week, and it was very busy. And like I've talked about since I started this radio show back up, it's it's been really fun to be able to keep track of all these different sports because there's never really been a time where there's multiple sports going on at one time. And it's also very funny as well, too, because people are completely forgetting that the MLB playoffs are still happening. It's it's very, very funny. And everybody's talking about, you know, finals, the NFL, and everything that's going on in those two leagues. And everybody's just forgetting that the MLB is in one of the most critical stages in the playoffs, which is the ALCS. So I really appreciate everybody that is tuning in right now on IG Live. What's up, Natalie? How's it going, Max? What's up, Timmy? Now, now I can see in the messages, or in the comments, excuse me, Timmy was not happy about that Chargers game last night, and I'm going to be getting to that a little bit later on in the show. But I want to first talk about some things that happened surrounding the coronavirus in the NFL, and it sort of made a little bit of a scare for us NFL fans when there was a massive outbreak in COVID-19 cases with the Tennessee Titans. And then we saw a few cases kind of break out of Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore with the Patriots. And that's why we ultimately saw the Patriots game. Last week, it got rescheduled to Monday night because of the Cam Newton testing positive for the coronavirus. But this past week, the entire, the entire game was postponed until next Sunday, just mainly because Stefan Gilmore got the got tested positive on Tuesday, and so the Patriots weren't able to practice whatsoever on Wednesday. And it's very interesting as well, just just from my research in in what really happened with this with these Patriots decisions, and I never knew that Wednesday was one of the most critical times in an entire week for an NFL team to prepare for this ne for the next week. And so usually Wednesdays are used for the teams to be able to really break down what is the game plan for this next week and how are we going to attack this opposing team. And so since the Patriots weren't able to practice on Wednesday or Thursday, 
they would have only had two days, two days to be able to practice, which would have been a major issue with player safety. And it ultimately would have had a massive, a massive impact, in my opinion, on how well the Patriots actually did perform against the Broncos. Even though, even though the Broncos have a third string quarterback starting for them next week, it's, it's still something where you have to have a level playing field for each team. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if one team is better than the other. Each team needs to have the same amount of, needs to have the same amount of time to be able to prepare for these different games. There was actually just a comment that was put into the IG Live from my good friend Max. Uh, He said, Iggy, is Tuesday night football going to be better than Thursday night football? Well, I think it's going to be a little bit more exciting just since it's new. And especially with just Thursday night football, I feel like anytime Thursday night football kind of gets there, a lot of people have the expectations that it's not going to be a good game and that it's against two crappy teams and why would I want to watch Thursday night football? But with these Tuesday night football games, you know, it kind of extends the NFL excitement through, throughout the week. You know, you, you get to have football on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and it starts the week off right, you know. Even though yesterday sucked, you know, it, it was a Monday, and actually it was a great day for me. But a- anyways, usually Mondays you wake up and you're like, oh, shoot, it's Monday. i got to start the week. And da, da, da. But when you're able to have that Monday game to be able to look forward, and then also a Tuesday game as well, I mean, you can't get anything better than that. I agree with what you said, Max, that Thursday night games are usually a lame matchup. But since all these outbreaks happened with the coronavirus uh, during this past week, there were some changes in the NFL schedule. So like I already brought up, the Broncos will now be playing the Patriots next Sunday. The Chiefs uh, will be playing the Bills in week six on a Monday. And so there will be no no Thursday game this next week Uh And then the other changes were the Jets will be playing Miami in week 10. And the Jets will also be playing the Chargers, uh, not in week six, but week week 11. The Jacksonville Jaguars will now be playing the Chargers. It was supposed to be in week eight. Now it will be in week seven. And then the Chargers will also be playing the Broncos. It was supposed to be in week 11, but now it will be in week eight. And two two more changes were that the Chargers are now going to be at the Dolphins uh, during Week 10 instead of Week 7, and that the Dolphins are going to be at the Broncos uh, instead of Week 6, now Week 11. So, wow, those were a lot of changes. And I was kind of interested on what the NFL was really going to do to be able to really make these schedule changes because we sort of saw what happened with the MLB during during this past year when those outbreaks happened with the Cardinals and also the Marlins, that it was a major issue in terms of their scheduling. And especially for like a team like the Cardinals, they didn't play for two weeks. And so it ultimately made the MLB standings or, or how it was stacked up in terms of the playoffs is they switched over to the winning percentage. Whoever had the highest winning percentage went into the playoffs. And so I won't be surprised if the NFL did something very similar and the NFL has already also talked about that um, they're trying to do a bubble in the playoffs, which I, I think from what we saw in the NHL and the NBA was very successful. And I thought it was very interesting when the idea first came up about having a bubble. 
a lot of people weren't very excited about it, especially in especially with the NBA, because we saw with the NBA how different it, it, the games were with no fans. It, in my opinion, it was it was still fairly competitive and it was still fairly exciting. It, it was very fun to watch in the bubble, and. I, I agree with Max. Max just put in a comment in IG Live. The bubble was very wise. I completely agree with you. It, it's the perfect way to be able to keep everybody in one place and not spread the, the virus everywhere. And it's, it's definitely something that the NFL should look towards because the MLB has been doing a bubble in the playoffs. Not a, not a lot of people actually know that because a lot of people don't even know that the MLB playoffs are going on right now. But... The bubble has seemed to work out pretty well. Right now in the MLB, there, the National League is in Los Angeles, I'm pretty sure, and then the American League is in uh, is in Texas right now. But I think it would be a great idea for the NFL to think about something very similar. And, you know, I, I, th I think that it will be the best plan for the NFL because this isn't going to be the first outbreak. This is not going to be the first time that there's an outbreak in the NFL. It, it, I think it's kind of crazy that the NFL, maybe I'm just making an assumption that the NFL didn't have a plan for if this did happen, but it seemed like once an outbreak did happen, they're like, oh, wow, didn't, didn't see that coming. Wow. Didn't know that, that, vi that this virus spreads like that. I mean, I, I don't know what, what you've been listening to, but the CDC talks about it almost every single, every single day. But same thing happened with the MLB. They're like, oh, wow outbreaks are happening didn't think that was going to happen but i think that the nfl has done a good job at you know managing these outbreaks and really enforcing the protocols as well because we saw what happened with the coaches and the players if they don't wear their masks that the franchise that the franchise gets fined i think it's i think it's 250k and then also that that the coaches get fined 100k and so we saw what happened with the titans it was a huge issue, and it was essentially just mainly because they weren't being strict about the protocols that the NFL put in place. And so they were being very loose about the rules in terms of if players should wear masks or not. And we've all we've always heard that anytime it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're talking about sports, it doesn't matter if you're talking about life. The CDC says that it doesn't matter if we have a virus. These masks are the best way so the virus does not transfer. So it makes zero sense that these coaches just have been able to see masks are the one, one of the most important things since March, and you're just going to just completely ignore the rule and go out on the sideline and be a leader and somebody that your players act after and, 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 so, and somebody that should be, you know, marketing the right way to really to really go about these rules because if the coaches aren't wearing the mask then the players aren't going to be wearing the mask the only way that the players are going to wear the mask is if the coaches enforce those rules and so we even saw that the titans came this close that close to getting their game forfeited during this next week and i i think that that is a perfect punishment because every team has been abiding by these protocols and if one team screws up I could blow up the entire season and it would be detrimental to the NFL. Not as bad as the MLB. If the MLB didn't play, it, it would have been awful for the MLB. They would have lost four, $4 billion. I don't know the exact figure if the NFL season stops, but I mean, owners are going to be losing a lot of money. 
and fans are going to be very upset because, as we all know, Sunday's Sunday's a major holiday around the United States. Everybody gets looks forward to those Sunday to those Sunday games each week to be able to decompress from the week. And so, if there was no NFL, I honestly think people might go crazy. But those are the changes that happened because of the coronavirus outbreak. You know, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, what the M, what the NFL does down the line in terms of, the, of these protocols and how these schedules are really going to stack up because we saw that the Titans weren't able to play last week either. So it'll really be interesting to see which teams will be able to play the full 16 games and which teams will only be able to play like 13 or 14. But hey, what's up Darnell, how's it going? Darnell, I completely agree with you. Jerry Jones needs to pay Dak Prescott. I'm gonna be talking about that a little bit later in the show, but I mean, it's something where he should have already gotten paid. And this shouldn't even be a question. And I, I am one of the people that is an advocate for those, those people getting paid, especially when they get injured just a few games. And honestly, Dak Prescott has been super surprising. But right now, I have my special guest, Jake Storelli, in the chat right now so i'm going to put him or i'm going to connect with him right at this started i hope everybody's excited for this interview so for anybody that doesn't know jake storelli he is the co-host of talking baseball and he is also the co-host of talking yankees and so how's it going jake how's what's going you? on iggy what's up dude what's up jake world how you doing man i'm doing good how about yourself it's raining right now in Plymouth, so it's not a good I'm day. good. It's, uh, am I coming through well? I just realized I'm not connected to the Wi-Fi, but if you got me. You're coming you're through good? Well. All right. Um, yeah, man, it's been a rainy couple days in the Bronx, literally and figuratively, um, after, after the Yank season ended. But we're, uh, you know, we're still grinding. We're, we're deep enough in the baseball community that, you know, the NLCS and ALCS are still big for us. Um, along with the World Series, so enjoying it. Wishing, uh, wishing the Yanks were there, especially if, man, if Tampa rolls up and sweeps Houston or beats them in five, that's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be nice, but it's also gonna be a tough feeling because it felt like the Yanks were right there, but then they weren't. I agree with you, Darnell McDonald. Actually, just put in the chat. He said analytics brought the Yanks down. What are your thoughts man. on that? Man, it's uh, it's tough. That game two is going to haunt a lot of Yankee fans for a long time. I mean, it it's just it's tough. I you know you look back in hindsight, and a couple managers made really nice moves slash analytics teams because that's who makes these moves. Um, you know, the Astros doubled up their starting pitchers, and they got some really nice performances. The Yanks, I think they just got a little too cheeky. They tried to outraise the race. They won that game one. Cole looked great. The offense did their thing, especially late. And then, uh, yeah, I think they they tried to get the Rays to roll out, you know, their all-lefty lineup with, you know, Meadows, Choi, Lau, um, you know, Perez, their catcher that they like to use in those situations. Um and the Rays didn't bring out that lineup. So then they used Davey for an inning. He got clipped by a Rosarena, who who hasn't at this point of the playoffs. And then to go half there out of the pen, I don't know, man. It, it just it still doesn't feel good. You wish him 
you wish Hap got the start or Davey got the start and you rolled with it. And if you didn't do that, you know, if there's a guy that seems like his stuff would play out of the bullpen better, it'd be Davey Garcia and not mm-hmm. Hap. Right. Um, so that changed the whole momentum of the series. And then, you know, the Mike Ford thing at the end of it, which, you know, that's not why they lost. But it's still just like, what What do you guys think is happening? Because that's not what's going on. Right. I mean, it, it was something where I was very surprised that they even brought out J.A. Happ. And even at the start of these playoffs, you know, we saw that these games were going to be all back-to-back. And I just thought right in my head, the Rays are the most set-up pitching staff. Just, just since their depth. And all these teams have been trying to start the opener approach, but the Rays have been doing it for the last two to three years. And so do you think that – because the main excuse for, like, that Aaron Boone mistake was – was everything that I've heard is, oh, he just gets his decisions from the front office. Do, do you think that's true, that it's ma- he's mainly just a puppet for the front office? It's, it's a group decision. I think when Aaron Judge took the job, you know – he was told there's going to be a lot of group decisions. And, um, you know, I do think he has a voice in the room, but I think, you know, everything's analytically driven these days, man. And they, they thought they could sneak one past the Rays and, and they did it. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you see everyone come out with the quotes and it's where also the term analytics gets thrown around too loosely these days, like analytics and stats and situations have been around forever. And, the, you know, the Rays are great at analytics. The Dodgers are great at analytics. The, the final four teams, all of them are. So are the Yankees. Um, and they also have really good baseball players. Like analytics, you know, stats and analytics should be used to double check the eye test. Like that's what they – you normally hear it about the combine in football. Like if a player comes and runs a four three forty, and they're like, whoa, like that's not what we thought, then you go check the tape – and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess his speed did play up. Or or maybe, you know, it's the opposite way. A guy runs a 4.740, Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's on the field speed, he blazes. So, um, I don't know, man. It's uh, The decision was not just Aaron Boone shooting from the hip. Uh, who had the percentages of votes in the room? I don't know. But I think when Aaron Boone took the job, part of it was we make group decisions. That makes sense. And it's, it's something where, as a Red Sox fan, it was the same exact thing this past year. You know, Ron Renneke really was sort of like a puppet to the front office, and the analytics would just send down the lineup and be like, Ron, this is what you're putting out. But it, it was I, I had a lot of confidence in the Yankees going into the division series because they were hitting bombs. I mean, we, obviously we saw, like, the duo and Stanton and Judge just going off uh, in the wild card series. But I found it very interesting that – they actually had a better ERA than the Rays did in the division series. They, they had a 440 ERA. The Rays had a 450. But at the same time, like, I thought those numbers were going to be a little bit skewed. But how confident were you in that pitching staff, at least just going into the division series? Yeah, and I, I think the other number I saw on Twitter today that was a little eye-opening was I think pitchers not named Garrett Cole had like a 5-5 ERA or something like that. So, again, when you start to play that game, you know, it makes it a little a little more interesting. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. And I think that's where Yankees Nation really got going after they won that first game. And Giancarlo looked like a monster. And you start – you know, you start thinking about it, and you're like, damn, Giancarlo Stan, that's fifth for us? Mm-hmm. Like, Glaber Torres was hitting seventh. He was our three-hitter last year. 
you know, and it was like, if this is all coming together, this lineup can be special. Um, and it looked like it. And then, I don't know, game two lost so much of that momentum. That raised bullpen, man. Um, those final three guys they can throw at you. If they're right, you don't have a chance. So, um, I don't know, man. It, it just felt like – and, hey, the other thing, and Yankee fans don't like this attitude, but if they played that game five, ten times, I think each team wins five. Like, I know that's a little bit of a corny sports phrase, but that's baseball. Like, it really is. The Yankees made two mistakes and the Rays made one. Um, and I think if you played that out a few different times, you know, baseball happens, different luck happens, different pitches happen. Um, but it just is what it is, and that's uh, – Tough, That's tough, I love baseball too. Tough for, a, tough for a lot of the Yankees dynasty fans to think that way because that's not how it used to feel. Exactly. I, I bet you're getting tired of. So hasn't been hasn't it been since 2009? I bet you're tired of hear, of hearing that, and, and especially like these past two years. Uh, even as a Red Sox fan, I had massive confidence in the Yankees last year, and I had to explain to my friends because they're like, "Wow, I'm surprised that you're defending the Yankees." I'm like, "Well, they actually had a record for the most injuries." Like, it, it, in the MLB. And so, what was your thoughts, especially just, like, going into these playoffs, with the amount of injuries that they stacked up just throughout the season, were you confident that, that they could ultimately get to the World Series and win it? I wouldn't say confident. You, you say hopeful. Um, you know, they had the injuries again, and it's like, what? How is this happening? But then guys came back, and they looked good. And I... I think against Cleveland, because, you know, they had this renowned pitching staff, and it's, you know, okay, these, this is really going to test the bats. Once the Yankees looked good against them, it was like, yeah, they can do this. Like, it, they, you know, when you look at their lineup next to the Rays, it looks like two different teams, but the Rays are so good at their matchups and everything they do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, once they beat Cleveland, it was like, all right, we can do this, we can get there. And then, uh, you know, you get to a deciding game, it doesn't happen, and it, it's a tough feeling. And, yeah, I, I think it's going to be the phrase of the offseason for a lot of fan bases. For 29 fan bases, is going to be, well, you know, it was kind of a weird year. Um, and how do, you, how do you evaluate guys? How do you evaluate guys that played 39 games in a normal year? That's nothing. Um, and this year it's like starters played that many games. So I don't know, man. And that's where I think, uh, this off season is going to be a mess. I agree. I, not, not only with the financials and, and like how, how much like teams won't have to be able to spend, uh, but it's, it's going to be a crazy one. But I, I like the point that you brought up with, with like Shane Bieber, because it's, it's funny. I actually, actually with, with like the Indians, like that sort of stuff, I lost my friends, like a lot of money. Like just betting because they're like, oh, who do you think? And I'm like, well, Shane Bieber is gonna gonna win the Cy Young, so I don't see him losing against the Yankees. And then they put up a 12 piece against them. It was nuts, man. It was it was unreal. I mean, and this year, I, I think the the weird phrasing I used for it was, I, I feel like college bo football bowl season. You see these teams come together, and it's like you know, the kicker that has the, the team record for longest field goal, and you've got the wide receiver that's at the school passing yards. And, like, when those teams meet up in the bowl game, it's fun. It's like, okay, like, let's let's see these guys. Who do you got? And that's what it felt like this year because nobody played each other out of division. So it was like, let's see Shane Bieber this year. Um, and he kind of had a dud of a performance. The Yankees had good at-bats. 
he didn't have his A stuff, I'm assuming, because that, that's not what I think Shane Bieber is. Um, and, yeah, so once that starts happening and you're like, wait, we took down Bieber, Carrasco, Karen Chak had a crazy year out of their bullpen, and Urshela tags him, Brad Hand. I mean, you're – you're feeling pretty good. And then, uh, you know, we, <laughs> again, it, it's not what Yankee fans like to hear, but a good, a good, a bad away from playing Houston right now, but we're not. So I just got a uh, tweet. And I bet you probably got a notification as well that Aaron Boone will be returning to the Yankees. And for, for me, that, that's not too much of a surprise j- just because uh, it's, it's it, I find it interesting because like, even, even looking at from the outside as a Red Sox fan, there's so much pressure on those Yankees managers from like Joe Torre to, you know, Joe, Joe Girardi and now Aaron Boone. And I don't really feel like that's like the same exact thing in Boston. Like there's pressure to win, but not as much as like in New York. Uh, but are you, are you surprised by, by that report that he's returning or did you think he could potentially get fired? Uh, I'm not. Um, I think the last year of his contracts coming up um, and if you look at all the numbers and you zoom out, I mean, everything's great. Like, I think for managers in their first three years, like winning percentage-wise, he's like all-time. So I get it. We're the Yankees, and we're supposed to win World Series. And I, you know, I feel that sentiment. I believe that, and I very much want that uh, for my fanhood and now, like, my career. But, um, no, I, I mean, how much of that can you blame on Boone? I mean, it was, you know... Uh, a 1-1 game, Araldis Chapman gets jumped. I mean, he had three guys he could go to in his bullpen. Would, could you have given Britain another at batter? Sure. Um, uh, does that make the difference? Doubtful. Araldis Chapman got hit by Mike Brasso for a homer. Like, do I blame Aaron Boone for that? No. Um, so I, I think he's generally done a pretty good job. Again, there's been so many injuries, so many weird stuff. He did have some weird press conferences this year, and he kind of lied about some injury details um, that, you know, it just it makes you squirm a little bit, and you're like, what's that about? But it's nothing fireworthy. Um, I do think next year, which, again, I, I could be wrong, but I think is the final year of his contract. You know, if the Yankees were to underachieve next year, I think there's some serious conversations. Um because then, again, you can almost mutually part ways and there's less of a scar and you can do whatever's sexy. Um, but I think if he's there, I, I think, you know, if he's makes the guys happy, if he makes the players, if he makes Cashman, uh, Booney will be around. And he's kind of done a, a good job. And, I, you know, there's no ring on his finger, but that's baseball. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of good managers as well that – that, that don't have rings, they, they just get put in tough situations and tough circumstances, which you could say that you could make that point uh, very well for the Yankees, especially last year with all the injuries. But I, I feel like it, I hear this every single year, and I bet you're so annoyed hearing it. The, the rotation needs work. We need more pitchers. We need better pitchers. So are, what do you think that the Yankees can do to fix the rotation? I, I, mean, I mean, they got Paxton three years ago. That didn't work. Severino came up. Like, he, he's – dealt with injuries you know Jay Happ didn't work out and now I'm hearing all these people oh go and get Trevor Bauer yeah let's just throw 200 million dollars at another pitcher and see what happens what do you think that the Yankees should do well so they've got Garrett Cole they got their big guy that's the one that was the question for the years you know that's kind of been quelched he was good this postseason he had a good regular season even though he was a hot story for a while for giving up the homers he's fine he's there 
Severino should be back. Um, I don't know if it's to start the season, but Severino should be back. And I mean, even a bad Severino is a playoff starter and a good Severino is a stud. So you like that. Um, then you've got the young guys mix, uh, Jordan Montgomery, who had the nice playoffs performance. He was inconsistent this season. Um, but I think they're going to give him a chance because when he's right, he's, he's a solid pitcher. He's a solid pitcher. Uh, Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt flip a coin. I mean, they're both really exciting. Are they going to be studs? Are they going to be duds? Are they going to be studs in three years, but not next year? I don't know. Um, Domingo Herman is supposed to come back. He was suspended this year. Um, he looked really good when he was pitching. Uh, we'll see what he looks like. I mean, when he comes back to the field, it's going to be, you know, almost two years since we've seen him. So I, I think you can pencil him in a role. Again, it's, is he going to be a bona fide three starter or is he just going to be an innings guy? Um, so that's six guys I just named. The question is, how much money are the Yankees going to spend? I'm not optimistic. Do they bring back Tanaka? Um, that's kind of the big question mark. The New York Yankees love Tanaka. We love Tanaka. He's, he's pitched a lot of big games. It's, it was a sour note, that Tampa start, if that is how it goes out. Um, there's a chance he comes back. I, again, I'm almost flip a coin on it. We'll see. Um, the Yankees might not be paying a lot this year, and the Yankee fans aren't really ready for that conversation. Um, if they do bring back Tanaka, you're happy because you could say, hey, Cole, Severino, Tanaka, Herman. Like, if that can be your playoff pitching staff, you feel pretty good about that. Um, if it's not Tanaka, I don't think it's Trevor Bauer. I don't think it's a big money guy. I think they bring in a veteran that can throw some innings for you. But the Yankees, they kind of have their core. Cole was the big signing, he was the dude. Um, and the Yankees, and again, this is the part they don't want to hear. You know, the Yankees and the Steinburners, they own the Yankees. It's not like, you know, they own a big oil company or they own a bank or something. They own the Yankees. So they're one of the teams that technically got hurt the most this year. And nobody wants to hear about the poor Yankees. Don't get me wrong. I don't either. But you have to kind of try to think about how these people think and live. Like, you know, they have their investments and they have a three-year plan, a five-year plan, and a ten-year plan. And their plan just got shot to hell this year you know they were supposed to make 200 million dollars they probably lost 200 million dollars so i don't think they're going big sea fishing for free agents we'll see what it looks like i think cashman's gonna have to get creative with the money a little bit um and it's what sandbox do they get to play in do the steinburner say hey you can bring back tanaka and lemayhew because we like them and they were good but that's it do they get orders that you only get to bring back one of them? Do they get orders you can bring back none? And that's where things kind of get scary as a Yankee fan. And it's interesting that you say that, that they kind of get those options because either way, Brian Cashman is just going to get destroyed. No, no Yankees fan is going to like what Brian Cashman does because it, it, it seems like, it seems like anytime Brian Cashman does anything right, there's something wrong with it. It seems like, and I, I've just heard like all of these, all these whispers from just like my friends and, and also just like different reports. Should Brian Cashman be fired? Should Brian Cashman be fired? And I don't agree with it whatsoever because I mean, he's done everything he can to really build up that rotation. And I, I, I honestly thought when they got Paxton like two, three years ago, I thought that honestly could fix the rotation, but it unfortunately still seems like an issue, but I just want to get your predictions real quick uh, for 
the MLB playoffs going forward. Uh, right now, we got the Braves uh, leading the Dodgers one nothing, and the Rays are reading are beating uh, the Astros, excuse me, two nothing. And I just wanted to point out something real quick. Uh, talking baseball, you guys put out a really good stat uh, this afternoon about the Braves that they have only allowed six runs in six games. And I looked up their ERA uh, just just in all the postseason. They're first with a point nine three. ERA. Remember all those prospects that they built up like during all those trades? They're they're finally working out. It's crazy, man. The Braves are are kind of the story as of today, and that could change tomorrow. I mean, if if the Dodgers pull one out with Gonsolin on the mound replacing Kershaw. Um, but yeah, man, and that's uh I I quoted this the other day on Talking Baseball and I it was one of the short kings of baseball. I forget if it was Kirkjin or if it was uh uh, I, I forget who it was, but someone had an article, I think this offseason, and they said, like, if the Braves don't win multiple championships in the next decade, it's a failure. And multiple championships, I mean, that's a big phrase. Like, you know, I'm just talking about how the Yankees need to get lucky to win one because you do need a little bit of luck. Um, but, man, like, they had their young hitters come up, Acuna, Albies, everybody knows them. The pitchers are coming, man. Freed, Anderson, Kyle Wright. And that bullpen is stacked. A lot of really good moves, a lot of veteran names that don't scare you, but they're just good. I mean, Will Smith, Melanson, Chris Martin, like Shane Green, they keep coming at you. So uh, all that being said, I still like the Dodgers. Um, I do think last night changed the series a little bit. I, I think they're going seven, um, but give me the Dodgers. They're they're so good. Um, you know, they're a World Series team that added Mookie Betts, basically. Um so I still believe in them. Um, although, hey, if that bullpen keeps getting rocked, um, I mean that's that's the story. Um, you know, Probably. might and if the Dodgers lose because of their bullpen, might not be a bad home for all this chat. And that's a little Jakey uh, deep cut right there. Uh, so give me the Dodgers. I still believe, and I, I think Tampa rolls. I, I don't know if it's. In five games, or if they win today, it's probably four because they got glass now on deck. But they're just the better team. Um, hey, maybe the maybe the Astros will prove us all wrong and Correa's right and screw the world. But um, I don't know. Give me Tampa and the Dodgers still, and give me the Dodgers. I mean, they're uh, they're Tampa just with money. I, I agree with you. One, one of my good friends actually just put in the chat. I, I just want to mention this. It's kind of funny. He said, screw Mike and Mike in the morning. I enjoy Jake and Jake in the afternoon. Jake gang. I love it. All day. But so, so if it was the Dodgers and the Rays, who would you pick me? I'm going Dodgers. I mean, they're, um, you know, a, such, such well-run organizations, so much good pitching. But, I mean, the Dodgers can go and pay Mookie Betts. Um, you know, the Dodgers can pay Kershaw. <laughs> they can pay a lot of their guys where – Tampa can't, or at least that's how they're run currently. So, um, I lean Dodgers. Um, you know, they've been waiting for this for a while, but it would be, I mean, matchups on matchups on matchups and really good baseball. I think, I think that would be the best, not ratings wise, but if you're a true baseball fan, I think the Dodgers and the Rays are the best teams. I agree. Before I let you go, you, you just mentioned something that, that I think I said at the start of the show that everybody is forgetting that baseball is being played right now just because all the other sports have you noticed that have people like been like wait baseball still happening 
It's weird, man. We, uh, I mean, we live in a very baseball centric world, so we've been, been in it. Um, basketball was the one that was weird for me this year. Um, like I, I think LeBron, everyone kind of expected LeBron to run away with it. And I, you know, I check out some of the rating stuff, but I don't know how all of it works, but everything's been down and I still think it's pandemic and people don't have a routine, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I, again, and I live in a very baseball world. I feel like baseball has been all right. Um, I think football's tough. America still loves football. So when they started the series on Sunday, I think football wins that matchup. There was the Monday night football game last night that was pretty good. So I, I think football was still involved. There's a weird Tuesday night game involved. Um, but, no, I, I think once these series get to the deciding games, that'll pick it up. And, I mean, if baseball's dream would have been Dodgers and Houston, I mean, that would have been ratings and people love to hate Houston. Um, I still think the Dodgers are a draw. The numbers are going to be down. Like, the the basketball game two numbers were, like, I, th- I think they were, like, 80% down than what they normally are, something crazy. So it's still weird world. Uh, nobody knows what to do with themselves. Um, I'm enjoying it. I mean, give me give me all the sports. So, I agree with you. So, I was just curious: Does John Boy, Wake and Jake, or or does uh, talking baseball have anything exciting com- coming in the next few weeks? We uh, we do. Um, we'll we'll be doing. Uh, I mean, we've been doing stuff almost every day. Uh, we've been doing the live games. Trevor Plouffe in this chat right now saying how much he hates me. Uh, that's just love. Um, so we're, we're actually we're not going live tonight, but we're going to be live for almost every playoff baseball game, especially the elimination ones coming up. So that'll be fun. And then uh, World Series, we're, we're going to be involved. I'd, I'd say stay tuned. Um, we might have an announcement around that coming um wake and jake figuring it out every day man it's uh i mean we were just in that crazy world of sports where it's like okay full slate of football nba finals uh playoff baseball it was it was chaos that now it's i'm i'm starting to get scared of that first day in uh, like end of october early november when it's like it's just football again uh so uh we'll see but man we uh you know, our our thing from the start has been killing with content. Um, so that's just what we do. Exactly. Tre- Tre- Trevor just wanted me to ask you about Orlando Bloom. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, well, I don't know how many kids are listening. Uh, we, uh, in our Talking Baseball pregame show today, we stumbled into a picture of Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry from when they used to date. I don't think they're still together. I'm not I'm not up on that. Uh, but Orlando Bloom is naked on a paddleboard. So if you're interesting, interested in seeing Orlando's Bloom, uh, Orlando Bloom paddleboard or Katy Perry or uh, Wiener, I, I, it'll come up. Well, that, that's an interesting way to end. But I really yes. appreciate you coming on the show today, Jake. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I've never had two MLB players come into one of my lives. So that was pretty crazy. Darnell McDonald and Trevor Plouffe. Shout out to them. So everybody Stunts. go over right now. One, follow John Boy. Two, fo- follow Jake at Talking Jake. And then also go over and follow Talking Baseball. They do weekly baseball podcasts. And most importantly, every morning, go over, listen to Wake and Jake. He has a great podcast over there and you won't be disappointed.
Awesome. Thanks, brother. Keep keep Absolutely. it going for the Jakes, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. Well, so that was talking Jake. He talked a little bit about the Yankees with us right there. I really appreciate him coming on and give us giving us some insight on his thoughts about that series because it, it was it was super competitive. But I completely agree with him on his picks in these playoffs uh, with the Dodgers ultimately winning the World Series. Uh, even though the Braves pitching has been super duper dominant, as I said in those stats, they've only let up six runs in six games. And their ERA is first in the MLB in the postseason with a .93. But it has been kind of interesting with that Dodgers and Braves series, how impressive Clayton Kershaw has been so far in the playoffs. Just since, every single time it seems like Kershaw is in the playoffs, everything just blows up. I guess, I guess he just forgets his pitching mechanics altogether because you could even – I, I thought it was so funny, just a little bit off track. The Astros, everybody pointed to Clayton Kershaw's poor performance because the Astros. No, it, he, he, did, he had poor performances before the Astros. But he's really been impressing. Like, he, he shut out. And he got shut out last series. So I, I was very impressed. And, and just overall, this Dodgers team is so stacked up with the bullpen, with the rotation, with the lineup mostly. Like, Jake, Jake played, put it perfectly. They were a World Series team that signed Mookie Betts. So you can't get anything better than that, especially when Betts is the top two player in the MLB. So then the other series that we talked about was the Rays and the Astros and that series is now 2-0. The Rays are winning that series. And boy, that Rays pitching staff has been dominating. And it's crazy because from what I looked at with the stats, they are dominating in strikeouts. They have 85 strikeouts leading the MLB. And everybody else has around like 75 to like 70 or even uh, high 60s. But I honestly was very impressed with how well the Astros' offense has done so far in the postseason. I, I mean, we saw it in the regular season. They're a force. And everything that everybody said about the Astros, essentially saying, oh, the, the, the stats that we've seen in the last three years are only because they cheated. The Astros aren't good hitters because they cheated. The only way they're able to hit a baseball is if there's a trash can involved. Well, the Astros have the best average in the postseason with a 280 batting average. And they, they were dominating. Before the, before the Rays just stopped them right in their tracks. And honestly, I thought this was going to be a very competitive series just because it's two really good teams. But we're starting to see that since the lack of depth that the Astros do have in their rotation just due to injuries and just general depth compared to the Rays, it's really hurting them in the end. So I could honestly see the Rays and the Dodgers in the World Series and ultimately seeing the Dodgers win. But I'm just going to take a break real fast. Uh, and then I'm going to get into the NFL, going over what happened in week five. I really appreciate everybody who tuned in during Jake and I's segment. And I hope you guys did really enjoy everything that Jake and I talked about. And like I said, don't forget, go over and follow him on Instagram, Talking Jake, and go over and check out Wake and Jake. I'll be right back. What is up, guys? We are back here on Iggy's Sports Talk and I am recording this from 91.7 WPCR in Plymouth. I'm here back to talk about the NFL Week 5. And boy, was it a busy 
week five. A lot of things went down, a lot of injuries, and a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. So I want to talk about one thing real fast that I predicted around two to three weeks ago that was going to happen just based off of that it should have already happened the past, like, two to three years. Dan Quinn was fired from the Atlanta Falcons after he started the season 0-5. And it's very interesting just to see his record as a coach overall. He was 43-42. and So even though he got them to the Super Bowl, the Falcons to the Super Bowl in 2016 to ultimately play the Patriots and lose after they blew a 28-3 lead, he, d- he has done the same exact thing, it seems like, in these past five games. For the first three games, he had massive leads and then just completely lost them. And the only reason I am blaming this on Dan, on Dan Quinn, because you could easily say, well, what about the players that were out there? Aren't, aren't you going to blame those guys? They, they, they're the guys that actually executed everything. Dan Quinn wasn't actually on the field. Yeah. But Dan Quinn was making the calls. And Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded coach. So you would have thought that a defensive-minded coach would be able to manage his defense effectively so teams aren't able to run all over them like we essentially saw. So that was one of the biggest things that came out. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Falcons during these next, you can say, like two years. Because it just came out that the owner said that he's not fully committed to Matt Ryan as his future quarterback. So could we potentially see the Falcons drafting a quarterback in this draft? I think it's definitely a possibility just since they're trying to go into a whole new direction. They have a whole new management. They fired their general manager as well as Dan Quinn, like I just stated. But I think that this is the perfect time for the Falcons to get a new quarterback just since Matt Ryan is 35. And it's interesting because I actually looked it up for the first time yesterday and I was like, wow, Matt Ryan's 35? That's that's surprising. He's, he's playing real well as a 35-year-old because usually, obviously, when you get to, like, 34, 35, in baseball, football, basketball, uh, most of those sports, you just see the massive decline. But we haven't really seen that with Matt Ryan really at all. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which I talked about a little bit at the start of the show, which was that the Patriots got postponed. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to play after having a week to prepare. And it's also going to be interesting to see who's under center. Are we going to see Jarrett Stidham or are we going to see Cam Newton? Bill Belichick hasn't really put out a time frame on when Cam Newton is going to be returning. But most likely, if Cam Newton does not practice by Wednesday or Thursday, I mean, you can already assume that Jarrett Stidham is probably going to be under center just because Cam Newton didn't have really any time to prepare. But who knows? He could pull a Justin Herbert, wait 5 to 10 seconds right before the kickoff, just go right in and throw 300 yards. That, that Justin Herbert kid is, is something special. And Timmy D, I see you watching. I'm going to be talking about the Chargers right now. And and boy, it, it was it was a game. It was it was a game for Chargers fans to forget. It was something where it started off so good, so good for those Chargers fans, and it just all really fell apart after the second half. We we really saw the Chargers go up 17 points. On the Saints, and it was kind of crazy too because I had to take a double take at the scoreboard. I was like, "Wait, this this team right now is is seventeen points up on Drew Brees and the Saints? Are are you kidding me?" And then the Saints were able to come all the way back, and 
you can only solely blame it on the decision-making of Anthony Lynn, the offense, when they made those specific calls with the specific plays in those specific situations. And you can you also obviously got to give credit to the Saints. I mean, they, they were able to come back from 17 and ultimately win in overtime. But the Chargers had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to ultimately win this game. I, I mean, we saw it. They had a field goal opportunity right there. All the guy had to do was just chip it right, right, right through the two poles, and bam, Chargers would have gone right on to win, get their second win. But now, looking at a one and four start, I, 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 I wouldn't have thought this. Even if you had Tyrod Taylor under center, I wouldn't have thought this. And you can't blame it anywhere close to Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert has been the only, only good thing that has been happening for the Chargers so far this year. We saw Derwin James get injured. We saw Austin Eckler get injured. And obviously we saw Tyrod Taylor get injured. That's why Justin Herbert's starting right now. But four touchdowns for a rookie. And now he has really put himself in the rookie of the year conversation. I always I think that this conversation is very interesting, and I'm, I'm not going to talk too, too, too much on it because obviously we've only seen jo- Joe Burrow for five games. We've seen Justin Herbert for five games. And for all those people who are getting hyped that these two are going to go against each other for the rookie of the year, who knows what could happen for the next 10, 11 weeks. Who knows? Both Joe Burrow and Herbert could throw more interceptions than they do interceptions. Who knows? And also, just just the whole comparison of Burrow and Herbert, I'm not a big fan of it, because when you just look at it, I mean, Herbert got Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. Burrow, <laughs> Burrow got, uh, oh yeah, thank you, Timmy. Herbert has only played four games. Thank you. But, Burrow had Tyler Boyd. He had an injured coming back from an injury, AJ AJ Brown, and he had Joe Mixon, and then and then he had a defense which which has absolutely nobody on it. And then when we look at the Chargers defense, they got a pretty damn good defense. So it's very interesting when people bring up that comparison, and I don't really think it, I don't really think it's a good comparison because Burrow just got put on the worst team in the NFL, other than the Jets, obviously, but. I'm all. I'm always a huge advocate for Herbert because, as me and my good friend Timmy, who's on the live right now, always talk about how many wide receivers did Justin Herbert have go into the first round of the draft, or even in the draft? How many did Tua? Tua had three. Herbert had zero. So we're just seeing a star just come right before our eyes in Justin Herbert, and really, in all those touchdowns, they were they were pretty highly contested. It's except for um, I forget exactly. Who who uh, who Herbert threw it to? But oh yeah, it was Mike Williams. He he just backpedaled right right into the end zone. So that that one wasn't too too contested. But overall, just the throws that Justin Herbert was making, it, my jaw dropped. I, I was like, this is a rookie. <laughs> this is a rookie. So I I mean he he could obviously he's only played four games, but who knows? This this kid could become uh, a Patrick Mahomes esque sort of quarterback not not maybe up nearly to that level but you you can make the assumption very close just based off of what we've seen over these past four games the next topic that i wanted to bring up in the very busy week five was an exact team that i was just talking about 
and the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, the team that anytime walks on the field, the NFL and ESPN just died. Like, oh my God, this is the greatest team we have ever seen step on an NFL field. Patrick Mahomes is the best thing that has ever come into the NFL in NFL history. And they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders. And I, I'm, I'm saying that like the Raiders stink. And, and it's only just because of, of, of the brand name Raiders. You, you know, they, when have they been good over, over these past five years? They, they were good like one year. And, and there was so much when Derek Carr really showed up. And then Derek Carr seemed to have like a massive decline in like the last two years. But we really saw in this game how well Carr's really been playing so far this season. You know, he's been very efficient with throwing the football. He hasn't been very erratic because most of the time we usually see Derek Carr get very overpressured and he just makes erratic throws and just throws it into like three defenders and then bam, it's it's an interception. Or he just overthrows it a lot and that ultimately causes a lot of three and outs and doesn't allow the offense to be able to drive down the field. But we were able to see Derek Carr get 347 yards against the Chiefs. And in my opinion, this is just a perfect example that the Chiefs defense isn't isn't as good as everybody is isn't as good as is advertised, excuse me. I mean, every everybody knew that the Chiefs defense was like, you know, a top 20 below top 20 sort of defense, but at the same time, after that Patriots, after the Patriots lost to that Chiefs team, Everybody was just praising that Chiefs defense. It made absolutely zero sense to me because they barely won that game. And they're saying that that they dominated the Patriots against their two backups. And one of the backups has only played two games in his NFL career. Two games. It's, it's just crazy to me how much hype everybody always has in this Chiefs team. Because it doesn't matter if they lose. Everybody's like, yep, they're going to the Super Bowl. Absolutely, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're, they're winning the Super Bowl. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl over the next five years. Come on, give me a break. I can see them I see, I, all right, I can see them getting to the Super Bowl this year. Probably next year. Right, who knows what the NFL is going to look like next year. But I can see them getting, getting to the Super Bowl this year just because what competition is there in the AFC? Other than, you know, you could say the Patriots, the Steelers. That's, that's really about it. But I was so surprised that the Chiefs lost that game because I bet you everybody had their money on the Chiefs during this. Or maybe there are some people who just are betting geniuses and said, you know what, I'm just going to do a shot in the dark. Let's see what happens. Let's see if the Raiders win. And ultimately, we're able to win a lot of money. But going on to a little bit of a more somber note, there was a a really tough injury uh, during this last week. And And it's something that sort of blew up the NFL news. Dak Prescott went down with an injury, and it it was it was a bad one. It was like Kevin Ware, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward type of injuries. You 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 saw his ankle on the on the other side of his leg, and did not look good. And it was something where after such a special season that Dak has had so far, with all the criticism that he got during the offseason, during everything that he went through during the contract talks with the Cowboys and ultimately never got a contract, he went out and was on pace to have a career season. I mean, every single game he went out there on the field, the defense never showed up, so he always had to overcompensate. 
And so we saw Dak Prescott have to throw, not have to, but he was able to throw 300 yards in these past in these past uh, four games. And so it was honestly devastating to see a guy like Dak Prescott who has worked so hard to get into where he is in his career right now and has worked so hard to be as successful as he is right now just go down with that injury. Uh, and, you, and, you know, it was really tough to see him uh, crying on the cart. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Cowboys fan. Excuse me. I'm not a huge Cowboys fan. But I'm also not one of those people that just despises the Cowboys just for the hell of it. You know, I always just looked at them as the team with Tony Roman that would, like, lose big games. That, that's kind of how I look at the Cowboys. But I thought it was really cool to see all the support that he got, not only from the players, from the fans, from the coaching staff, on the opposing team and of his own team. And I wish him a speedy recovery, but unfortunately from what was reported uh, a few days ago, it's going to take him four to six months to be able to come back. So we're ultimately going to see Andy Dalton under center for the Cowboys. And I could honestly see the Cowboys still winning this division. I mean, that division is absolutely horrendous. We got the Giants, we got the Eagles, we got the Washington football team, we got the Cowboys. I, I can still see the Cowboys winning that division quite honestly. So another thing that I want to talk about as well is the Browns, the Cleveland Browns. Last year, this was the most exciting and hyped up team, overhyped up team, excuse me, in the entire NFL. I mean, once they got OBJ, everybody was putting in their bets that they were going to win the Super Bowl. And now the same thing's happening. <laughs> now the same exact thing is happening. The Browns are 4-1. and one. And now they have the highest odds to win the Super Bowl. I, I mean, give me a break. Can can this team just get just one season without uh, just crazy expectations? I, I mean, I, I could just see these expectations getting into the the bill uh, the bills the Browns' head, and it just totally collapsing everything good that they have going on right now. But hopefully, Baker's doing a much better job of not listening to the critics this year. And he just shuts, shuts his yap and just goes out there and plays the game that he's been playing pretty well so far uh, over these first five games. He still has had a little bit of an issue with throwing interceptions. Uh, you know, he threw two interceptions last game. He did throw two touchdowns as well. But at the same time, it's great to see Stepanski being able to get Jarvis Landry and OBJ integrated in that offense. And... I don't think I've been able to see Jarvis Landry get over 80. Uh, he's gotten over 100 yards with the Browns, but it hasn't been anything consistent. So it was cool to see Jarvis Landry, especially a guy who's on my fantasy team, who's able to get 80 yards uh, on the ground uh, for the Browns. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this Browns team does over the course of the season. You know, are they are they going to be able to keep up this success that they've been able to have over these first five games. And when you really look at it, next week the Browns are going to be playing the Steelers, which is ultimately, if not the Colts, the best defense in the NFL. Then they're going to be playing the Bengals, which which is a win. They're going to be playing the Raiders. I, I could honestly see that Raiders game being very competitive and really fun because, I mean, like I just said, the Raiders beat the Chiefs. And it's not like the Browns' defense is anything extraordinary. You know, they're they're pretty middle of the road in, in, in terms of just the rankings. But it's going to be interesting to see how the coaching staff is able to keep everybody together, keep everybody motivated. And hopefully 
the Browns don't pull a Browns and totally collapse. But, you know, they are the Browns, so who knows? Another game that I wanted to talk about as we got five more minutes left on the show is the Buccaneers and the Bears. So what happened? What happened to Tom Brady? <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was just something that I have never seen in my in my in my life. To where he was on the ground more than it seemed like he was standing up. I mean, he had absolutely no time, zero zippo to be able to throw that football against the Bears. And granted, you got to give the you got to give the Bears credit where credit's due. They have a really good defensive line. I mean, they have Cleo Mack. I mean, I mean that obviously that, that doesn't paint the whole picture for their defense, but at the same time, they got a pretty good defense. But I didn't think that they were going to be able to dominate the Buccaneers' O-line like they were able to. I mean, Brady only got sacked three times, at least what was recorded, but he was under pressure, it seemed like, every single time he dropped back in that pocket. And he, like I said, he had no time to throw the football. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why we saw in critical situations Brady really wasn't able to get the ball out or even be able to throw accurate passes to be able to get anything down the field. And I was just very surprised of how uncomfortable he really looked back there. And you really saw it. He was so focused on getting down the field that he completely forgot what down it was. And I I, I thought it was pretty crazy how people were giving him so much crap for that. Just blatantly saying, oh, yeah, he did that because he's old. Yeah, you know, you know that guy's 44, so that's one of the biggest reasons why he, he forgot that. No, I, I mean, MLB players forget what out it is all the time. MLB pitchers forget what strike it is all the time. It's not it's not like sports players don't forget things during a game, especially, especially what situation Tom Brady was in when he forgot that it was fourth down and thought it was third. I mean, you're in a massively critical situation. You're trying to think about what plays can I do next to be able to get that first down. And he, his mind was probably so filled up with trying to figure out how to get past that Bears secondary because it seemed like any time he threw the ball, it just got hit right out of the receiver's hands. So you can't really blame Tom Brady for... Well, you can blame him. I mean, I mean that's one of the biggest reasons why, why they lost the game. You can blame him for forgetting the fourth down, but at the same time, it's not something that doesn't happen all the time. It's not something that, you know really correlates with his age you know it's 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 not like well he's 45 or he's 44 so he's gonna th- these things are gonna happen you know he's he's gonna forget what quarter is next game Th- that just doesn't happen he's been playing the game for over 20 years and people make mistakes you know Tom Brady's a human too he, even even though he acts like a superhuman he plays football like a superhuman he's human he, he is he's right inside just like just like the rest of us so I thought it was very crazy as well and I even realized this until it was, you know, a few minutes before the game. I was like, wow, it, this is like a, a Super Bowl matchup, like a Super Bowl rematch. But but both quarterbacks are in different teams. I, I thought it was so cool that Nick Foles and Brady were able to play against each other again. And ultimately, we saw it. Nick Foles is Brady's kryptonite. Kind of like you could say the same thing about Eli is Brady's kryptonite. But I mean... It doesn't seem like Brady's really able to have too much success against Nick Foles. I mean, it's not like Nick Foles went out there and had like a Pro Bowl performance or anything. I mean, I mean, he he threw a pick. He was kind of inaccurate, but 
he didn't he didn't incomplete a lot of passes, but he was throwing the ball like super short. It seemed like, and that's why you're able to see his his average per catch or, or per completion was so low of yardage. It's going to be interesting to see obviously what happens down the line for this Buccaneers team and if they're going to be able to protect Tom Brady. As a Patriots fan who saw Brady get sacked, it seemed like more than any other year uh, of his 20 years on the Patriots. It's going to be a tough one if the uh, if the Buccaneers aren't going to be able to protect Brady because Brady, it's not like he's like a Russian quarterback. It's not like he's like Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson to when they get close to him, when the defenders get anywhere close to him, he's able to just wrap around and you know juke people. This is Tom Brady we're talking about. Like he's he's not like a speedster or anything. So it's not like we're going to see him scramble out of the pocket. Maybe we might, but I mean he's got to be careful. The guy's a little bit old. Just kidding. But uh, it's it's going to be really interesting what the Bears do down the line. You know they do have some or Buccaneers what they do down the line. They do have some injuries, but ultimately I think that this Buccaneers team is fine. This is a little bit of a bump in the road, and you know they've had a good amount of time to be able to prepare for this next week especially since they, they played on Thursday. So I think that they're going to be really prepared for their next game. But that seems like it's about all the time that I have on Iggy's Sports Talk today. I really appreciate everybody listening to the show. And I want to give a special thanks to, to Jake Storelli for coming on the show, talking some baseball with me. And honestly, he helped get Trevor Plouffe on the live. I think that's pretty cool. Like I said to him, I've never been able to have two major league baseball players on one of my Instagram lives or even watch any of my content. So that's why I do this to get closer to the game and to talk about things I love. So for everybody that is listening right now or, or tuned into the IG live, I appreciate you so much. Quite honestly, thank you for even listening to just one second of what I'm saying. I, I, I really do appreciate it. And for everybody, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I will see you guys next time. That is it for the show. My name is Jake Anzuski. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.